This program is brought to you by The Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. The Old Testament speaks of a place called Sheol. In fact, Sheol is used about 65 times in the King James Bible. And whenever Sheol is used, it's translated as hell 31 times, as grave 31 times, and as a pit three times. You see, what I want to walk you through the next few minutes is is slowly unpack the understanding of what happens beyond when we breathe our last. Where do these angels take us? The, the, The Jewish people in the Old Testament had an understanding of an afterlife, and they called it Sheol. The understanding for the Jew was that everybody who died went to Sheol, the good and the bad. Everybody went to Sheol. Look at this in Genesis chapter 37, when Jacob gets news that Joseph is dead. He really is not. His brothers have sold him off into slavery, but Joseph begins to mourn. And it says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 35, all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him. That's Jacob. But he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son, mourning. Thus his father wept for him. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 10, it says, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy one see corruption. The New Testament is written in Greek, most of it. And uh, the word Sheol is translated as Hades in the New Testament. And back again to the parable that we were reading in Luke chapter 16, Jesus continues to open this curtain wider for us to take a glimpse into where do these angels take us after we breathe our last. It says in Luke chapter 16, verse 22, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, that is Sheol, Hades in the New Testament, Being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Here, Jesus in this parable is giving us a little bit more insight into this place where the dead go. The Jews were right that people go somewhere when they die, the spirits go somewhere when they die, and they believe that everybody goes to this one place called Sheol. And Jesus says, now, both these guys died. One guy, Lazarus, is taken to Abraham's side. By the way, Lazarus means a person who's helped by God. And clearly he's helped by God and he's taken by Abraham's side and the, and the other man, the rich man, he's in Hades and it says that he was in torment. Continue reading and Jesus paints a picture even, even better. In verse 24, and he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm in anguish in this flame. So the Old Testament teaching of Sheol and Hades was a place of dead for the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus expounds on it a little bit over here, and he says that people go, but here's Lazarus who's found favor with God, and he's on Abraham's side. That is a place of honor, a place of respect, a place of joy, but here's a man who is in Hades, who's who's being tormented, and then he says, and besides this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. So, again, the picture gets a little more clearer. Yes, when people die, the spirits do go somewhere. The Jews believe they just went to Hades, this one place where all the spirits go, like we see with Jacob. Jesus paints a picture saying, they go somewhere. The rich man, he is in Hades, where he's being tormented. And here's Lazarus, who's leaning on Abraham's side. And it has honor and respect and company and fellowship. And then there's a great chasm that divides both of them. And no one can cross from here to there. It gets even better. Because the New Testament, like I said, opens this place up 
wide for us to take a good, good, good look into this. After Jesus' death and resurrection, it gets even better and clearer where these angels take us when we breathe our last over here. Believers, you know, when Jesus is talking about Abraham's side, it's quite possible that he's using Abraham's side as a way to get the Jews to pay attention, to know that heaven is a place where there's joy, there's honor, there's respect, and uh, these Jews would have loved to sit by Abraham's side. But over here, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, Paul writes, he says, Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. The Bible doesn't say that when you and I die, we will go sit by Abraham's side. It tells us one better. It says that the minute you breathe your last, you're going to be in the presence of Jesus himself. You'll be at home with him. In fact, isn't that what Jesus promised his disciples? I go to prepare a place for you where I am. You will be also in my father's house are many mansions. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Isn't it crazy how this understanding of what happens when you breathe your last is unpacked in the Bible right from the Old Testament and it gets clearer and clearer and clearer until Jesus' death and his resurrection and we're given a clear shot into what happens when you approach the end and you breathe your last. You're not going to be alone. The angels will come and take you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, man, there's not going to be one split second when you're going to be away from his presence. You're going to be right there with him. Peter, he expounds on the judgment that awaits the disobedient angels in 2 Peter chapter 2, and then in verse 9, he concludes with this. He says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, that is to keep them in Hades. So once again, painting this picture of telling us the righteous will be in the presence of Jesus. In spirit, not in body yet, in spirit will be in the presence of Jesus. The unrighteous will be in Hades, tormented and awaiting judgment. Clearly, what awaits a person in Hades is judgment that is to come, and they wait for the punishment. On the other hand, the Bible promises believers that anyone who is, has a relationship with Jesus will, has already passed from judgment to life. Look at this in John chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. How beautiful is that? So yes, death, it's inevitable. Death is something that will come for us. It will be honorable when our time comes because we've lived a full life. And God says, it's time for you to come home. And when you die, you're not going to be alone. His angels will come and gather you. But for those who have a relationship with Jesus, man, we're going to be in his presence with the presence of someone that we've loved and longed and looked forward to. But for those who have rejected him, they're taken to Hades where there's torment with this punishment, and what a hopeless wait that would be, waiting for judgment to come on them. The third thing I want to unpack as we bring this to a close is not a question but a statement that I really hope that you hold fast to, especially in the season as we dwell on this topic. What awaits us is not a place but a person. You see, oftentimes in funerals, we talk about heaven. We talk about how grandpa is in heaven now. But really, what we should be focusing on is not the place where we go to, but the person that we get to be with. And this is important because for believers, it's not a place, it's a person. And for unbelievers, it's not about the place where they go to, but the person that they will have to stand before that they've rejected. 
over and over and over again. Heaven is not full of righteous people, but sinful people who have a relationship with the person whose name is Jesus Christ. You see, folks, death, it's not really about the transition. It's not even about the destination. It's really about the person that's waiting for us in the end. The Apostle John, who was a very close friend of Jesus, in fact, the Apostle John says that he was the disciple who was loved the most. He loved leaning on Jesus' chest. He was the first one to get to the tomb when he got news that Jesus' body was missing. He's the only disciple who is at the foot of the cross when his master and savior is being crucified. John, the apostle, he had a very close relationship with Jesus. Jesus gives him a fantastic gift. Heaven's open and he gets a glimpse into what is to come. And that is where we get the book of Revelation from. And it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, the apostle John writes, when I saw him, that's when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. One day you and I will see this person. It's not going to be about a place. It's going to be about this person. One day you and I will see this person and we will fall down as dead. The apostle John, no matter how close he was, the glory of the risen Christ filled him with such awe that he falls down as dead. What awaits us in the end is not a place, but a risen and glorified Jesus. Jesus doesn't leave him as dead. It says, but he laid his right hand on me. He laid his right hand on me. I love this. The right hand is a symbol of power and authority and blessing. And Jesus doesn't leave John is dead, but lays his right hand on him. A question I want to ask you, as we talk about approaching the end, when you stand before this person, the risen, glorified Jesus, is his right hand of affection and love and acceptance going to be on you? Or is he going to point you and say, depart from me, I never knew you. It says in the book of Matthew chapter 25 that he will separate the sheep and the goats, the sheep to his right and the goats to his left. What would his right hand of authority do to you if you were to see him right now? But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. Here are three things I want to close with. As we approach the end, I want to give you three reasons why you should not fear death and trust Jesus instead. The first thing this beautiful, risen, glorious Jesus says, is fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am the first and the last. He says, fear not, I am the eternal God. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the aleph and the tau. I am the beginning and the end. Why is this important and why should this cause us to not be frightened of death, but to put our trust in Jesus instead? Because there's no one that has gone before him and no one that will come after him that can overthrow him. You see, if you put your faith in Jesus and when you stand before him, if he says, I'm really sorry, but I wasn't as powerful as I thought I was and all those promises I made you, I really can't keep them. Man, you'd have wasted your life. I would have wasted my life. This whole thing would just have been a big waste. But the Bible tells me that he is the first and the last. No one will supersede him. No one can overpower him. No one can come later and do away with his promises and do away with his plan and do away with all the glorious riches that we have in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from that. He is the first and the last. Fear not. He is the first and the last. He is the eternal God. And then he says, 
I'm the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. What is he saying? He says, I am the resurrected Christ. I am the resurrected Christ. I am alive. I'm the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. You see, if Jesus remained dead, man, we have no hope. But that's why Peter says, we have a living hope. We have a living hope. In fact, we sing the song, hope is alive today. He is alive today. The stone was rolled away, death defeated in its grave. Hope is alive today because he is the risen Christ. And then it gets better. And then he says, and I have the keys of death and Hades. The keys to death and Hades is in his hands. You see, I know there will come a day when being in your bed and death normally just doesn't come all of a sudden for many people. It normally first shows itself in sickness or old age. Quite possibly, each and every one of us will come to that point where we're getting ready to breathe our last. We approach the end. I want you to remember this. You're never alone. He will send his angels to care for you and to take you when it's time. You need to know that you'll be taken at the very second you breathe your last, right there into the presence of Jesus. And you need to know that while you're here on this earth, we're not waiting to go to a destination. We're waiting, really, to see a person, a person that hopefully you have a relationship with. You see, very often, we could say that we're Christians, but have no relationship with Jesus. We could say that I know a lot about what the Bible says, but not have a relationship with Jesus. As I've been preparing for this week, I've been asking myself, am I ready to see Jesus? If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you will always fear as you approach the end. Fear not, I hold the keys to death and Hades in my hand. You will not leave this earth one minute late or one minute too soon. He holds the keys to death and Hades. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 